Caledonian McBrain and the Big Light present... Falcha, I'm Cunyach MacLeod, the Hebridean Baker. Originally from the Isle of Lewis, I'm an author, TV presenter and travel blogger. I spend lots of time traveling around the world, discovering amazing places and the people who live there. But my favorite place is home, the Hebrides, making me your perfect guide to the very best things to do, see, eat and enjoy throughout these incredible islands. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures. In this episode, I travel up the southernmost island chain of the Outer Hebrides, Vattersea to Eriske, via Barra. Each offers an exciting mix of contrasting experiences with something for everyone. From rugged landscapes, endless beaches and the warmest welcome. You can start your journey at Barrasport Castle Bay via the Kalmak Crossing from Oban. Coming up, I travel along the Hebridean Way to explore the iconic route which has lured walkers and cyclists to the island since it launched in 2017. I sample the delights of the honesty boxes popping up across Barra that are helping to sustain the local community and visitors alike. And finally, I pop in for a dram at the Ampolitician on Eriske to find out more about the true story that inspired the beloved British comedy Whiskey Galore. But before that, it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest, Tony Kearney. Hailing from the island of Barra, Tony is a well-known actor, presenter and broadcaster. And when he's not in front of the camera, he's also an award-winning TV director. Tony, so great to see you. Fantastic to be here. Thanks for that lovely intro. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, you're from the island of Barra and it's a stunning island, isn't it? The jewel of the Hebrides. Oh, the jewel of the Hebrides. <laughs> we'll have a battle over that it. one. <laughs> <laughs> we sure are. I mean, I've been in Glasgow a long time, but yeah, I go back home to Barra. My mum's still there. She's 92, wow. and it just feels wonderful to be back home. Feels really like does. home, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't lived there for a long time, but I go home, pick up where I've left off with people, with relations, with friends, and there's just a peace comes over me. I just love it. Rain, hail, shine. And there's plenty of that as well. Plenty of horizontal rain. <laughs> plenty of that. In fact, I was home just last weekend. I was swimming on the Saturday in Vattersea. The next day, it was just like a monsoon. But you know, there's beauty in that as of well. Of course, isn't there? there is. Of course. Now, Tony, in this episode, we're actually heading north from Vattersea to Eriske via Barra. But what's distinct about each of those islands? Well, Eriske, it's kind of, well, Eriske, of course, is joined on to South Uist by a causeway. I remember True. when you used to have to get a small ferry there. Eriske's got a beautiful, soft quality to it. The sand's 
beautiful powder, golden. Um, Barra's a bit more rugged in the fact you've got Havel, which is the big hill right up in the middle. There's quite a few kind of rugged bends. There's Bentangaval, there's Havel. The east side's very rocky. The west side's beautiful golden sands. And then you get down to Vattersea, which is kind of this of H shape. It's really slim through the middle where the Atlantic meets the Minch, and it's got a softer feel. You can tell you're in the furthest, southernmost inhabited island of you know, the chain of the, uh, the Outer Hebrides. Beautiful qualities, all three of them. I love that. And really, next stop, America, you know, exactly. after that. So you've got the wildness coming in uh, from the Atlantic, but makes it so special. Yeah, it's the furthest west. I remember the first time I took my partner to Barra, Jim, and I said to him, on a clear day, you can see the skyscrapers of New York. <laughs> <laughs> and he believed me. <laughs> but yeah, that, that quality of we're always looking west, the Celtic twilight, the western seaboard, there's something about looking out to that horizon and knowing, as you've just said, next land's Canada. But there's a lot of people now who love the adventure of coming to the Hebrides, getting on that ferry in Oban, you know, the journey up to Barra and then heading north as well. Quite special that, you know, you've got the different modes of transport to get between the different islands. Yeah, absolutely. You certainly have. You know, the ferry to go to Barra from Oban is nearly six hours. So that certainly prepares you for, you know, the sojourn that's ahead. And as you say, you can hop between the islands as well and so many different modes uh, of transport. So many walkers now, so many cyclists, so many campers. You know, it's just, it's fantastic to island hop between them all. And the connections now are much better than they used to be. Well, getting on your bike is without question one of the best ways to get to know the unique character of the Hebridean landscape. So, alongside Vattersea's local islanders and wildlife, you will undoubtedly see cyclists about to embark on the challenge of the Hebridean Way. The route from Vattersea to the Butt of Lewis is stunning, peppered with rolling hills, beautiful beaches and panoramic coastal scenes. I went for a spin with Tony Flanagan from Barra Bike Hire to hear more about the route that inspires so many cyclists to come to the islands. I've just taken a walk down to the beach in Vattersea and I can see all the surfers out in the wild Atlantic, but they look like they're having a great time. But over to my right, joining them on the beach, are a wee herd of cows. I don't think I'll have ever been to another beach in the world where there's cows and surfers on the same beach. We've just arrived at the community cafe on the island of Battersea and there's a real hubbub about the place. Lots of folk trying out the coffees and teas, getting their bikes ready, getting their backpacks on for the walks because this is the start of the Hebridean Way and I've been joined by Tony from Barra Baikair. Good afternoon. What is the Hebridean Way? Um, well, the Hebridean Way is, uh, is, is a traverse of the, uh, the islands that, uh, that make up the Outer Hebrides. And traditionally, um, although not exclusively, the, uh, the people who come to cycle and walk the Hebridean Way start in the south and work all the way up to the north. And is there um, a reason why it, it, you start in the south? Partly because a lot of the guidebooks recommend that way. Uh, and I think the recommendation comes out of the, the fact that the predominant winds and the weather tends to come from the south and the southwesterly during the, uh, the summer season. And certainly the cyclists uh, want to cycle along with the breeze on their back to, to help them along the way. The walkers tend to take a, a slightly shorter route that takes in some of the, the steeper hills 
and, uh, and that's 156 miles or thereabouts. The cyclists sort of weave around a little bit because they want to uh, avoid the big hills and take the roads that, uh, that guide them from the south to the top. And that's uh, 185 miles point to point. Okay, and that's starting where we are today uh, on the island of Vatersea and finishing on the most northerly island. That, that's right, on, on what's known as the Butt of Lewis, right at the northern tip uh, of, uh, of Lewis, where the, the land runs out and gives way to the, uh, to the sea. All the way up the Hebrides there are places where the road just goes on and it's a hard slog but every corner you go around there's another gem and another gem and another gem and, and Vatasi is definitely one of those gems that you can't afford to miss. I totally agree with you. So that, that's, let's pinpoint this journey. So we're leaving from Vatasi today. I, I usually encourage people if they ask my advice, I say to start the Hebridean way what you've got to do is you've got to go beyond the community hall and you've got to go to South Beach. Now South Beach is the peaceful, quiet, typical Hebridean island point. There's nobody else on earth apart from you and your bike or you and your walking boots. And to start the Hebridean way you've got to touch the back wheel in the surf or your boots on the surf. And then you do the same thing when you get to the butt of Lewis. I love that idea. And, that's, that's and that is the Hebridean way, because you're starting in a peace and solitude and a quiet place in, in, in the natural world all around you. Our next island is the island of Bara. That's right. And from there, it, that's when we take one of, one of only two ferries on the journey. Is that right, Tony? That's right, yeah. The, uh, the wee ferry that goes across to uh, Eriske uh, gives you uh, 40 minutes out of your journey to, uh, to sit back and relax. Uh, uh, fettle any uh, problems with the bike, adjust your panniers and, uh, and get ready for the next section. And it is a real stretch then of causeways between the Southern Isles, you know, because you're going from Eriske to South Uist, onto Benbecula, onto North Uist, onto Burnery, and you can do that all in one go, even though they're all different islands, they're going to be attached by causeways. That's, that's right, yeah, and, and the causeways are, are a feature. People who come to do the Hebridean Way have, have read in the literature and seen on the photographs this, uh, this unique way of connecting the islands, the causeways. With the bike car company, you can give them the bikes in Barra or Vatasi, and they can drop them off uh, on Lewis and you'll pick them up, is that right? Well, yeah, they, can, uh, they have to drop them off in Stornoway, and we do pride ourselves on uh, meeting and greeting all our customers when they arrive. Uh, and we, uh, we, we see them off on the next part of their journey over the ferry to uh, Eriske, making sure everything's running sweetly, because once they leave the island, the logistics of uh, helping people with uh, routine things like punctures that happen occasionally, or problems with mudguards, or their chains coming off, uh, is something that they have to sort out themselves. Cycling as well, it, it does allow you to sort of be more at one with your environment. You know, you, you sit in the car and, and you don't get any of the smells, you don't get any of the sounds, you don't, got, you don't get the feel of the place, but, but cycling along on your bike, you sort of, you take everything in. And, uh, and most people will agree that uh, by cycling along a route, you, uh, you get so much more out of the landscape um, in terms of all the senses are, uh, are experiencing the, uh, the journey every step of the way. Well, you've really inspired me to get on the bike. We're going to do the first part of the Hebrean Way today. All the way to South Beach. All the way to South Beach. Right, I'm ready. Okay, let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay then, so here we are, South Beach. This is my uh, preferred and recommended start to the Hebridean Way. So the wild Hebrides and the first beach and, uh, and the tradition is that I uh, suggest is we, we dip the back wheel into the surf. There's the surf just gently lapping up. And there we are. The start of the Hebridean Way. And from here the journey begins north and to the, all the other islands. Look at that, talk about good timing. Well, Tony, that was great to do the start of the Hebridean Way at South Beach in Battersea. But the rain has started again. Definitely a good idea to have a cake and a cup of tea when the rain comes. It's a good excuse to start. I just love the tradition of dipping your back wheel into the surf to start your Hebridean journey. I think that's fantastic because you're right there in the south. I know, and you know you're headed north all the way up to the butt of Lewis to do it by bicycle. I mean, that must be so challenging. There's some flat bits, but there's some crazy hills there, and there I wouldn't fancy a few hills. cycling up the Cleesha. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hill, you know, that's it some sure challenge. It sure is. I mean, it's on so many people's bucket list now mm. to do the Hebridean Way. What do you think, Tony? Would you like to do it? I've cycled round Barra often enough. Yeah, maybe it's time to head north. Why I not? Think yeah, should. I think I'd like the challenge. Going over the causeways, all the causeways in North Uist and everything, and then Bernary. Yeah, I think I'd like that, but I don't fancy the Cleesham. That's the only thing. <laughs> Can I get a motorised bike for that? I bit? think the motorised yeah. bike. For those of you who don't know, the Cleesham is the highest mountain in the Outer Hebrides on the island of Harris. Mm -hmm. So it feels like you've, you've, you're have you nearly there. You know, you're, you're on your way uh, to the butt of Lewis, then suddenly you look up and think, oh my goodness. Yes, it's monstrous. So I don't fancy cycling <laughs> that, but yes to all the other parts. <laughs> well, to find out more about the route, go to visit outerhebrides.co.uk forward slash Hebridean way forward slash cycling or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Now, Tony, I didn't expect to have the best curry I've ever had on Barra. I know, right? C Café Kijmil is amazing in Castleby. The curries are fantastic. Um, I, I, I knew the owner and I know the people that run it and people come from far and wide for these curries. Sometimes they're even sent as a takeaway on the ferry to Tyree. <laughs> they're, they're so popular. And the view, the setting is incredible as well because in the summer they've got seats outside and there you are looking over at one of the only medieval castles in the bay. You know, the seat of the Clan McNeil Kijmil Castle, which is just stunning right in the middle of the bay it doesn't get any better than it that it doesn't get any better than that the curry's a bit incongruous but you just got to lean into it you know <laughs> they do have scallops and stuff like that they fish do curry. You know, they're, they're beautiful I have to say their scallop pakora mm -hmm. is worth travelling a thousand miles for 100% yeah <laughs> second to none just a reminder talking about Café Kissimmee the one thing I would say for that place to get the best curry is book ahead 
Without a doubt. Yeah, because it's it's in the summer, it is popular. And I have to say, there's been some times I've arrived at the door all excited for my uh, pakora and had to go away disappointed. So make sure you book ahead. For more information, go to cafekissimo.co.uk or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Well, like miniature self-service shops, Honesty Boxes might sound like an unusual concept to most city folk, but they've become a staple of small island communities. Stocked with a whole host of locally produced jams, cakes, vegetables, sweets, and even craft supplies, Barra's Honesty Boxes are a fantastic way for visitors to support independent makers and discover a taste of the island. Today I'm visiting the Isle of Barra and I'm here with Carrie McKinnon from Croft Kitchen Honesty Box. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm good, thank you. How are you? It's exciting to be in the Croft Kitchen of Croft <laughs> Kitchen Honesty Box. <laughs> now, h- how did this all start, Carrie? Um, so I've always loved to bake and I've always enjoyed being in the kitchen and cooking. Um, when I moved to Barra, I had two little kids, so I was looking for work that would work around their schedule. Um, I started baking for Shaz, who's got the uh, Ardmore coffee. So I've baked for her for about four years. And then last summer, I decided I'll start the Honesty Box with some eggs and a few cakes and see how it goes. Tell us, what is an Honesty Box? (laughs) So an Honesty Box is basically a shed or a box or sometimes even a microwave um, on the side of the road with a sign that says what's inside it. You... Choose what you want from the little shop and then you carefully add up the amount of money that you want to spend and you put that in a little money box. Um, I also have a QR code that you can scan if you want to use PayPal um, and then you probably take a photo and then you go on your way. Carrie, there's been honesty boxes on the islands for so many years, but it has become a bit of a phenomenon now. You can see them dotted about. Um, have you seen any that are selling things that maybe you're not, something a wee bit different? Yeah, so I love to stop at the little honesty spot at the Gara. Oh, the Gara of Ayatua. That's, I love that spot. Yeah, yeah so they have um, fresh veg, tomatoes, cut flowers. It's really cute when you're going in for your cup of tea or even when the Gara's closed. They've got a little spot there you can put your money in the box and take your goodies away. Oh, Carrie, is that something coming out of the oven? I've just heard the uh, the ping. Yeah, that's the NYC cookies, chocolate chip cookies. The kitchen smells amazing, so I think I'm going to have to take a couple of those home as well. But I want to go and see what's in the honesty box because I know you've got some treats out there. So shall we go and see? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Nobody's going to miss your honesty box. It's almost like the blue that you sometimes get in the sea, so it's it's quite. It is the <laughs> brightest, loveliest blue uh, in between some wee wee flower boxes as well. Wow! Right. Okay. Well, t- tell us what's here today then. So I've got some uh, fresh giant scones. These are giant scones. They look amazing <laughs> with with the jam as well. Wow. Yeah, and then I've got some chocolate fudge. Fudge is such a big seller here. It is just it? goes as quickly as it gets stocked. Um, salted caramel rocky road. I think like the walkers and the cyclists, they always go for the oaty cookies and flapjacks. 
Have you got hens here? Yeah, I do. So you're selling your own eggs? Yeah, we've got a few hens on the croft, so whenever there's leftover eggs, they come out to the honesty box. Oh boy, Carrie, what am I going to take home tonight? Um, well, well, right, definitely that milk and white chocolate fudge, that's for sure. And I think uh, to take home one of those, the size of those scones. I, I, I don't know if I should take one or two, but I think I'm going to take two of those uh, scones as well. And uh, let's see how much that is. So that's two, three, four, right. That's good. I've got exactly the right amount of money there. So I can't wait to try these things. Carrie, what a treat to come to your honesty box and spend some time in your kitchen. Thank you so much for coming. I really did want to try everything out of Carrie's honesty box. I think I'm still dreaming of those enormous scones. <laughs> they sound amazing, don't they? <laughs> I love the honesty boxes on the islands. They're great. I'm like a kid in a sweetie shop there. I was home, as I said to you, you know, just at the weekend, and there's a big, huge, fuchsia pink honesty box near the beach in Vattersea Village. Wow. We went in there and we raided the place and left our money and the little bowl at the top where you get your change and a little Tupperware box where you put your notes in. It can only exist in the islands because the trust, you know, it's fantastic. Do you think that's what it is? Because it wouldn't work everywhere, but it does work on the islands. Why do you think that's the case? I don't know. I think it's just, it's so enchanting. It's so kind of magical. It's just leaning into everyone's good nature. We all love cakes, but we're happy to pay for them and you could easily just help yourself and drive off really quickly but you know what it's an island 14 miles round they'll find you eventually so. and there's only one road so they'll chase you <laughs> exactly and it's like a loop <laughs> <laughs> and Tony does it remind you of like you know times growing up and, oh, and all the great bakes and, and things. Was your mama baker? My mom was a fantastic oh. baker. She can't really do it anymore, but her gingerbread is second to none secret recipe. Which I I'll need have that to, recipe. Yeah, I'm going to have to get you that. We had neighbours that were in and out. My father was a physiotherapist on the island and the barter system worked. He would cure people's backs and things and the next day a big bag of scones would arrive <laughs> at the back door or lobster. Or potatoes. Or potatoes, or yes. Uh -huh. But a neighbour who we're convinced made about a hundred scones a day. She brought them to the house daily, you know. So yeah, baking was a thing. Every Scottish island in your bucket list. Every sunrise. Every waterfall. Every bird song. Every seashell. Every stroll along the edge of the world. Every new friend you make. Every dance. Every dram. Every downpour. Every crackling campfire. Every sparkling night sky. Every feast under harbour lights. And every photo under that red Calmac funnel. Every moment, every memory, every journey starts a story. And you can start yours at calmac.co.uk. Tiny Changes is Scotland's National Young People's Mental Health Charity. Since 2019, Tiny Changes has helped over 4,000 young minds across Scotland feel better. The charity was set up in memory of artist and frightened rabbit frontman Scott Hutchison. Through his music and art, Scott made tiny changes that had a big impact. His honesty and openness about his own mental health inspired people from all walks of life. The team behind Tiny Changes believes that Scotland's young people deserve great mental health. For more information and to donate today, visit tinychanges.org.
www.maxadventure.com. Max Adventure, experts in self-guided walking and cycling holidays. You choose your route, your departure date and who you travel with. We do the rest. Includes hassle-free luggage transfers, hand-picked accommodations, easy navigation and 24-7 support. Let us do the legwork so you can put the miles in. This is active travel led by you. Begin your journey at maxadventure.com. Now, Tony, from Call the Midwife to Balamori, the Hebrides have been an inspirational backdrop to films and lots of television series. Why do you think that is? I think the colour palette, you know, the aquamarine and the rusty heather uh, greens, it's just a director's joy, you know, it's just beautiful, it's all there. And when the sun shines, it's like, you know, there's been some sort of CGI keyed in background. <laughs> it's like, is this for real? I've been filming up there all summer, our new drama Claw Moore for BBC Alapa and Harris, and it was stunning. We we're so lucky with the weather. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, you know, you can really plunder from just these joyous colours and joyous backdrops and if the sun shines for you you've won a watch you have yeah now these days Tony you are behind the camera uh, as a a director but I know you in front of the camera uh, appearing on Gaelic's first ever soap opera Macher I loved it. How was it to be uh, uh, appearing uh, on that? Oh, you're going back a few years <laughs> now. Yeah, that was the mid-90s. It was incredible. And Scottish television um, set out to to set this drama on the Isle of Lewis, um, Machar, and it, it ran and ran. And I was in it for about six, seven years, you wow. know, from the beginning uh, to the end. They put my character in prison at one point because <laughs> I was off to do a couple of targets <laughs> as an actor and then came back. Um, yeah, I mean, working there, it was amazing, you know, but you had everything. Sometimes, you know, we had infestation of midges and all the crew are going around with their midget nets on and as actors are being eaten alive but you have to keep acting yeah it was it was fantastic because we really got into the whole life of the island community there we didn't just sort of pop in and then parachute in and off again we became ingrained and just you know became part of the community oh my goodness, it was you joyous absolutely did and still you you see it uh, on BBC Oliver the old episodes and I always tune in and you know it just makes me smile well one of the most infamous stories from from the Hebrides inspired the hit Ealing comedy from 1949, Compton Mackenzie's much-loved comedy, Whiskey Galore. It's the tale of the ill-fated ship that hit the rocks, shedding its cargo of whiskey barrels, most of which mysteriously disappeared. I visited Am Politician, the bar on Eriske named after the original vessel, to chat to the owners and, if I'm lucky, find out where the bottles of whiskey are still hidden. So my name's Stephen Campbell and I'm the owner of the Am Politician Bar in Eriski. Thank you, Stephen. Come on a how. Oh, how come I? <laughs> so, Stephen, tell us the story behind the name of the pub. So, the pub's named after a famous boat that sank uh, just off the coast of Eriski on the 5th of February 1941. And the boat was called Am Politician. Uh, it's been made famous a couple of times by Compton Mackenzie in his book and by... Uh, That's the book Whiskey Galore, isn't Whiskey it? Whiskey Galore, yeah. yeah. And Ealing Studios' film, Whiskey Galore, as well. Uh, so basically what happened is one really, really stormy night, uh, this boat that was uh, had left Liverpool and it was heading to join a convoy uh, off the butt of Barra. 
to head across the Atlantic to Jamaica and then on to New Orleans, but it got a wee bit lost in the bad weather. So it, instead of being off the Butta Barra, it actually turned into the Sound of Eriske and it ran aground because the weather was so bad. And then the next morning, all the locals got up, the storm had cleared and there was this big massive ship ran aground, not sunk or anything, but just up on the rocks. And so they went out to investigate, make sure the crew and everything were okay. And so they sat, uh, rescued the crew off the boat and then kind of took them back on land give them tea, whatever it was at the time, and got talking to them and found out their cargo, the majority of it was 250,000 bottles of whiskey, uh, which during World War II was a, a godsend. And then the islanders started <laughs> to become a bit more resourceful, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, word spread like wildfire. I mean, you wonder how it happened so quickly, but I mean, there's boats coming from Sky from all over. I know, there's even, I definitely know there was a few boats from Lewis came Yeah, or well. I'm sure more than a few <laughs> as well, yeah. My granddad, uh, he was only young at the time. He told the stories of how it was everyone onto the boat and as many hands as you could, but then shuttle runs to take the whiskey back first and everyone else kind of loading up, ready for the next one. And uh, yeah, I mean, but it was, they were doing it basically in townships so that <laughs> the township would have as much whiskey as possible and as many boats would go out as, as possible. And a story of someone, a son getting thrown overboard to swim back to the shore so that, so that the whiskey could go on the boat, take on the his boat. space on the boat kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, I think anything that floated was used to carry some, uh, some whiskey back from the boat and other stuff as well. We used to have a gentleman in here who came in every day for a dram and uh, he was he lived in Eriske but he was born in Glendale, South Uist and he lived there and he used to tell him that he used to get a, like whiskey was that plentiful it was easier to get whiskey to have a drink of whiskey than it was to have a drink of milk because you had to work <laughs> to get the milk but the whiskey was just coming ashore <laughs> so and uh, other stuff as well materials lots of silk and stuff like that in the boat that obviously there wasn't a, a great deal of access to up here at the time and uh, like shoes, bicycles, all kinds wow. of strange stuff on the boat, yeah. You can see here we've got a couple of artefacts. Yes. This is a machete. Um, that, uh, there was boxes and boxes of these on board used for sugarcane when it got to Jamaica. Uh -huh. uh, there was uh, some Jamaican currency, as you can see a wee example of here, 10 shilling note. A 10 shilling note from the government of Jamaica. Yeah. So it was basically worthless because it had no uh, no franc on it. They used to use it for starting fires and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit of a... Yeah, uh, what, what a bit it? of a weapon. It's a flare gun. Oh, it's a flare So it's a flare, gun. yeah. So you can still kind of cock it and wow. fire it. We don't, I don't think they make flares to go in it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you can still cock it and fire it. And that would be a good thing for maybe your uh, Hogmanay. <laughs> Kayleigh, <laughs> yeah, here at the pub. Yeah. Um, but then things took a wee bit of a turn for the worse for the islanders. Well, they did, yes. Uh, as you'll see on the bottle, it says, it's embossed on all the bottles from the politician, it says, uh, federal, federal, federal law forbids, forbids sale or reuse of this bottle. Right, which and means this is an original bottle from This is an original bottle with original contents whiskey. Um, you can see the the original corks actually floating in it. So we put this uh, stopgap <laughs> in uh, over the years. It's kind of through evaporation and stuff. It's kind of hollowed and sank in. If you find a bottle around here and it has this embossed in it, then chances are it's off the politician. Wow. Um, and that's why so many people, customs and excise, hadn't received any duty for it because it was bound for an American market. So they came up and if you were caught in possession of any whiskey or anything like that, 
then you were fined, people were imprisoned because no duty had been paid in it. And to them, it was like you were stealing it wow. rather than what we people from here think was salvage. Salvage anything lost at sea is salvageable. Yeah. Uh, but they seen it a different way, yeah. Because in the end, I think, wasn't it there was 19 locals were imprisoned in Inverness? Yeah, yeah in Inverness, yeah, all the way. And lots and lots of other people fined as well. Yeah, so it was like gone from kind of <laughs> probably the best thing that ever happened <laughs> to the island uh, uh, in terms of kind of this bounty arriving on your doorstep to actually people getting taken away from their families and stuff. I mean, when the excise people started to come, where were folk hiding them? All kinds of places. There's, I mean, down the linings of house walls because it was old croft houses in between stones, burying bottles and cases and uh, there's a couple of lochs in Eriske there's is there said that if you went diving in the lochs you'd find you might, kind, still, you find might still find stuff yeah and, yeah because I'm sure after a, after they drank a bottle or two they well, started to forget forget where they put yeah if you have if you drink a case and then bury a case then <laughs> how, how do you remember where the case is the next day but I would say if someone had to invent a bottle detector instead of a metal detector, <laughs> then we'd, we'd be able to find a few more. Do you think I could open the bottle? Yeah, open the bottle. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. There's a temporary cork in there, so open the bottle and have a wee sniff. Just in, in case you think it's cold tea, you can still <laughs> uh, you can still get the whiskey scent from it. That's not bad. I think considering consi- it's eighty odd years old, yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's definitely been um, it's, it's been about yeah. definitely. Well, this one was found in a peat bog, so I don't know if that's maybe kind of kept it a wee bit better because it was like kind of cocooned in this inside the tight peat bog. Wow, I've seen other bottles on the island as well. I know a few people that have kind of older ones, and they were kind of found in the sea, and it's like sediment, and then there's, you can't really tell there's too much whiskey in it, but this is one of the best ones I've seen. So when people visit the pub, you can see that behind the bar? You can see this behind the bar, we'll put it down on the bar face, so you can get a wee photo, and like I say, if you're lucky, we might let you have a wee sniff. You're well known for great food as well. What should I try on the menu today? <laughs> so our two best sellers are probably uh, our hand-dived bar of scallops, wow. and uh, our monkfish scampi as well. Uh, the the scallops are, are huge, big, meaty, lovely. We leave the roe and everything on just natural the way. Barra scallops, way I think, are the best in the world. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and the scampi as well, just nice tender pieces of monkfish and, and homemade batter. Yeah, just nice simple food. We let the food do the talking, and uh, yeah, we don't do anything fancy to it. So. Tony, what a story! Wow. Isn't it just, you know, I have a bit of a secret as we have in our house a bottle from a politician. I don't believe yes, it. Yes, in fact, not just a bottle, it's a decanter. It's Joan of Arc on her horse. And when you lift Joan's head, that's the lid to this beautiful brandy decanter. And we know it's from um, and Polly because at the bottom, the lines are federal law forbids sailor reuse of this right. bottle, which was written on all the bottles. It was embossed upon all the bottles that came from the ship. My great auntie was the infant headmistress in Castleby School. She was quite a, a, a well thought of figure. She was a folklorist. So a lot of the young men in the island used to hide the bottles in her back garden because they knew the police would never check out Miss Johnston, <laughs> my great auntie. So we've got it in the house. It was left to my mum. It's empty, sadly. But my mum used to put coloured water in it and it was on the sideboard. <laughs> that's yeah. that's very special to have that. It's, oh, it, it really is a true part of the history, not just of the island, but of the Hebrides as a whole. 
totally. You know, everyone has a politician story. And my mum remembers it. And she was born in 31. She also remembers them all coming, the Ealing studio, the big vans coming to the island to film Whiskey Galore. And our best friend got the part of dancing and being uh, Joan Greenfield's feet at the Cayley scene, who's still alive today, Kitty Ann, wow. Kitty Ann McKinnon. It's her, when you cut to the scene of the feet, it's her feet. That was my mum's friend. She wanted to be in it so much. She remembers sitting at the side of the house, seeing all the big lorries come off the ferry and can I be part of this? But it was a big, big thing in the island at the time the film was being made. It really was. And I know so many people who will who will watch the original movie before they come and visit the island, you know, just to totally. get the feeling. And, yeah. and I mean, it really makes me smile, that movie. Oh yeah, me too. It's beautifully told. It's beautifully done. It's got a real charm about it as well. And, you know, the fact that that actually happened between Eriski and South Uist, you know, at the time of the war, it's it's got something kind of, it's high, high drama. But, you know, the fact that it was whiskey, but not just whiskey, there was lots of money, there was lots of there furniture, of Jamaican yes. currency, yes. loads of rich tapestries and um, uh, bedspreads and bicycles and phones. And oh, people had loads. Everyone went out in little boats and plundered from it. Everybody. You know, they were washing their hands with the tar, of the, with the cash. And in the politician where you were, there's on the wall, I'm sure you saw some of the Jamaican currency. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a, a trip to the unpolitician un really is a treat because you're getting a wonderful history, a couple of drums, a nice dinner. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah. As they say in Gaelic, <laughs> you wouldn't want to leave the world. <laughs> now, Tony, before you go, if you were advising a visitor who's coming for the first time, one we secret treat that they have to do when they visit the island of Barra. What would it be? You know, you really have to go to the Trivor at the north end of the island and you have to see the plane landing on the beach. You know, it's there's been film crews from around the world recently when I was home there was a film crew from Brazil filming that you know wow. it's the only um, commercial airstrip that's washed twice daily by the tide <laughs> now we think nothing of it going home and flying in and out but when you see that plane land on the beach and the sea comes up you know it's really quite spectacular it's so you've, iconic that's the thing I would, adv I would um, recommend people to go do first well Tony it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thankvor, thank you so much for coming on and just inspiring me and I'm sure many of the listeners to return to Bara and Vatrasi and Ediski. Well, that's all from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, like, rate, review and share with your friends. For show notes and more information on this and all my other island destinations, plus full details on Caledonian McBrain's routes, timetables, prices and bookings, go to calmac.co.uk. Every journey starts a story, so book your Caledonian McBrain island adventure now. From the Big Light Studio.